All right, we are rolling now. Ooh. All right. Counting us down. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, spoken word, books, experiences, things that have built us up as people, and we hope that in sharing them, they build you up. We are the retrospective that is introspective. Mm, silky smooth. Ooh, Ooh, yeah. Hey, guys, this is missing out. Ooh, <laughs> baby. Oh, that's every time Tari feels like it's a job well done, he slides into this job well done voice. Yeah, hey, guys. I'm just mad there's not a video so they could see how you cup the microphone so sexually. I mean, oh, that was yeah, beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's how I get the voice. That's how I get into it. <laughs> oh, it's the hot. only way I can do it. I liked it. Um, guys, today we're joined. This other voice that you're hearing is Matt Sterling. Nye. Applause. <laughs> Applause. Applause. Yeah. Oh, Matt Sterling. He's cupping it. He's cupping, He's cupping it. it. Yep. He's yeah. really cupping it. I love it. Oh, baby. Oh, shit. I felt that. You should. Yeah. I like that. Uh huh. It goes down show. from your ears from, to your toes. <laughs> And um, somewhere in between. Every oh. part of me is uncomfortable. You're right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, Matt, who are you? What oh. do you do? Account for Oof. yourself, sir. Oh, my God. Uh, do we mean this existentially? Like, I mean, however you want to take it. Okay. I'm a dude. I'm a guy. Okay. Right? I'm, a, I'm, I'm living. All right. I'm living. I'm a, I've experienced some things, and, and, and I'm a product of those experiences, uh, like we all are. Oh, nice. Just start us, baby. <laughs> I feel I feel like I could relate to that. Yeah. I feel like that touches on the human experience. I feel seen and fulfilled. <laughs> did did you you felt it? I don't have my mic shape here is not yeah, conducive cup. to cupping it the way I can overcup. Yeah, you got yeah, to cup from the top. Above cup. Right. Gotta, yeah, it's one of these where you start from the top and you make a little dome. Mm. You make a little little <laughs> mic dome. That's my yeah. So great. So well, ours is more phallic. That's true. That's so what's I happening. To, yeah, like try and yeah, no cupping. Just it's not. Hey, but that's hey, probably keep your mouth off yeah. Those mics. It's bad for the technology. Yeah. It's not. It's not good. Although this little <laughs> the little foam part on top is probably the most replaceable. But who's got the time? No one. No one's ever going to replace those. <laughs> uh, so so Matt, you're a guy. You're made of stardust. You're out. Yes. You're out here like the rest of us, living, experiencing, Life. going through the world and whatnot. This is true. Uh, what do you What do you do? Like, what is your uh, vocation? Okay. Oh. Oh, I like that. My vocation. Uh, well, I like to think of myself as a creative. Uh, I've uh, you know, I'm an actor. I've been acting for a long time. I, I do. I'm a comedian. I, you know, when I was younger, I thought I was gonna do like, like kind of like the Neo, Leonardo DiCaprio thing. Mm. But I slowly realized that I was ugly, <laughs> and that the best I could do is character acting. And then I was, then I realized I'm kind of funny, so I, I started doing comedy. I was always funny, but I, so when I was younger, I did spoken word, actually. This is actually a good part. I was always really deep, right? I was trying to be deep. Mm -hmm. So I do like really deep shit. And then after I got done being deep, I'd be like hilarious and everyone would laugh. And that was so much more fun to like spread laughter than to like think about Darfur and how fucked up it is and remind people about it who just go home and smoke a blunt, don't do anything about it anyway. Right. So I realized I was just depressing myself being a, 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 a poet. It's like when I leave this room, I want everyone to be in tears and right. have to go home and numb themselves yeah. with substances. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they use all of the great things that our lives offer us to like feel better about the fact that Darfur still 
still fucked up. It's still <laughs> fucked up right now. No one's talking about it. It's still fucked up. Right. It's always been. Right. But so you found you found that making people laugh maybe uh, hair more fulfilling. Yeah, it did. It made it well it made me feel better, and I and I think it made other people feel better. So that was, and I don't want to restrict myself to to just comedy. I mean, I'm I like to think I'm a very good uh, thespian. Sure. Uh, but but uh, yeah, I like comedy. Comedy is cool. It's funny. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's both. Yeah. This is what you should be. Comedy is great. It makes you cry. <laughs> God, comedy scares you, doesn't it? It's fucking <laughs> yeah. terrifying. Oh, so much gore. <laughs> Doing that comedy. It can be. <laughs> uh, so so you're you're talking about where you started, right? And talking about uh, early on how you made a certain kind of pivot. And yeah. so I guess this is a good place to start as any because we're digging into your your backstory a little bit, Oof. but more specifically. When we talked about what you wanted to come on to the show and discuss, where you went to immediately is you wanted to talk about your dad because my, you my feel daddy. like you have a crazy number of really interesting dad stories. And so yeah. you and I started talking about, let's talk about that relationship and how that relationship shaped you and how it informed the way you approach your vocation, your passions, pursuing your goals. And mm. yes, we're bending our format a little bit again Again, because we're disruptors. Oh yeah, we're like, the status quo is there to be shattered. We're like Silicon Valley, but poor. Hell yeah, you, disruptor you know, I, die. I just love that you guys are humoring me. I feel like when you ask, you're like, "What's your favorite thing?" and you was, you're probably ready for me to be like this great book or movie, and I'm like, "My dad." And he was like, "Fuck shit, why did I have to?" Fucking piece of shit, dude. No, this show is for people who are missing out on great dads. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. You know, yeah, I like that. Like that. And now cool when we when he leaves the room, everyone's <laughs> going to be crying and we'll have to go home and numb themselves with substances. With substances. I numbed myself before I came. Oh, yeah. How, <laughs> How do you feel? Though? I feel fine, man. Oh. You know, like life is great. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm in my normal. I'm in my normal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I cool. smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> just silence. Like as we as we all just nod quietly. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. We're all, it's, it's like we all went into our nostalgic place. Yeah, yeah. That weed though. Like you know, there's that smoky effect where the camera pans up and you get the thought bubble, and in the thought bubble you get like the picture in picture of whatever <laughs> scenario they're imagining. It's that, but it's just the smoke effect. <laughs> So, so okay, so I, we're going to talk a little bit about your career and the various jobs that you've done and the stories you've got a little cool. bit later in the discussion. But okay. now I want to start with your dad. So tell us a little bit about why that was the first. When I said, like, I want you to yeah. come in, talk about something you are really uh, a big, big fan of and you want to share that passion with somebody else. And you did. You said, I want to tell stories about my dad. So I yeah. guess first, who was your dad and why do you want to tell these stories? Oof, that's a well. He was a dude, you know, oh. living life. <laughs> he was stardust. alive at some point. He was made of stardust. He returned back to it. No, I just um, honestly, I was probably smoking a blunt and was like, I miss my dad. No, no, honestly, no, no. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. There's not, you know, he he does actually inform my art a lot, like things that I things that that I've experienced and been through with him and 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 stuff. And and he was just a really special, interesting, interesting person, and and really like. Not to sound like an art kid out of college, but he was like the you know the 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 perfect example of like juxtaposition, right? Like if you saw him, at least in his later years, from an outside perspective, you would think not probably the best things about him just by the way he looked, the way he presented himself, um, a bunch of different you know. But but the truth was he was he was such an amazing person um, who had a lot of flaws too, like we all do. So I, I think he's just a great uh, character in life, like uh, something that I think everyone can relate to. He's not, 
he's not perfect in any shape or form, but he was a fucking great dude. Yeah. Who was alive at some point, made a stardust. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you know? I'm alive at some point. I'm made of stardust. Can you relate? Am I your father? <laughs> Daddy? Hey. You're back? You've missed me so. I, I have. <laughs> And I'm definitely going to be crying when I leave the room and have to go home and numb Where myself with been? substances. They told me you died. <laughs> they lied. That's some death. <laughs> oh, no. There, there was a guy who lived. Made of dust from so, the star. So you told us before we started rolling that mm-hmm. you've got stories that you find really compelling that date back even before your own existence, even before some oh, stardust yeah. uh, coalesced oh, yeah. and formed the shape that is you. Yeah. It's the most, the most stardust conversation I think we've ever had on this show already. And we're just getting well, started. Well, I think it's yeah, a metaphor it's a little for ziggy. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. We are all made of cum. That's true. <laughs> we all came out of someone's balls. <laughs> what came first? That's the question. <laughs> Didn't we solve the chicken and egg thing? Didn't the uh, didn't the chickens evolve to lay eggs? What? <laughs> this is what people come to this show for. <laughs> we're really we're solving the age age oldest problems. I but, think I feel like it's separate. His the answer to Matt's question is hopefully your mom. <laughs> <laughs> the chicken question is what you said. I'm Wait, really glad evolution. we got this sorted What'd out What you early. say about my mom? No. Your mom laid some eggs. <laughs> I am an egg baby, but that's normal. We exist, and I don't want to be judged for it. There you go. So, all right. So before, before all you... Jews are come from eggs. Is that true? <laughs> golden eggs from a from a golden geese. Oh dear. Well, before you hatched, uh, there were there were there were tales that predate your yes. your hatching. Yes, there was. Uh, there was. So I want you to take us take us back because let's try okay. to hit this so, as close to chronological order as yeah. we can. Right. Oof, so okay, as close as possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For what sure. is time really? What the fuck it's is a time? construct? <laughs> what uh, is time? So my all right, well, I guess, so my dad, right? So I guess to explain my dad, there's so there was my grandfather, right? Who right. was like a really cool dude. I don't know his entire background other than he came from nothing, and then like he like started the business with like his bare hands back when you could just build a business on the street. It was in like an area like Ogis, Florida, mm. which is uh uh was like, I think somewhere around Miami, uh, and it was just like he started the business, and it was called uh, Nightage's Department Store because my my family's name was Nightage. Okay, and. Uh, it closed down within like a week and he was at a bar across the street from from the department store one day and he was you know just sad because his business was down and he just got married and he's trying to figure out what the fuck he's gonna do with his life and this guy comes up to him he's like oh you're the guy to own that fucking kike store up the street right Whoa. and my grandpa was like uh well yeah i'm a jew like that's my store you know motherfucker and the guy was like nah man listen buddy he's like no one in this area is gonna buy from a fucking jew so don't open no nightage store here. So my grandpa got this idea where he went back, he knocked all the letters off except for the N, added a Y and an E, changed his last name to Nye, became Nye's department store. And he had like a little business going on. And like, this is probably like what, the fucking 30s, 40s? I mean, my grandpa was, well, no, I'd say probably 40s hmm. in Florida. And so he started the business and had enough money to like, at least like, op- like kind of build this little home and shit. And that's you know where my dad came from, but anyway, so in this area, that that just shows the mentality. I mean, this is Florida before old people retired from New York to come there. This right. is before Florida was settled, he was he just wound up in Florida. 
So still racist though. So racist as fuck. Uh, oh no, I extremely, in, extremely. I lived racist. there for 17 years, and I can attest that if you drive less than 20 minutes north of Orlando, you will see Confederate flag well, billboards. Okay, well, so so but hold on, so there's substance there because so that's northern Florida. Right. So right now, if you go to Miami, of course there's racism everywhere. I mean that's obvious. Look who you know. Right. You know, yep. whatever. Oh, you know, I don't know. even want to get political, but we, I mean, we, it, we all know. He's pointing it, to my it, cardboard cutout of our current president <laughs> hugging the flag. He's we, wearing a MAGA hat right now. It's yeah. A, it's a, guys, I'm awakened. I'm an enlightened thinker. I'm a free thinker, guys. Ration, rationality. He's a and rebel, logic. you know? It's like he's like a rebel. He's going to disrupt shit. Yeah, yeah, bro. Right. That's when, why we're doing a different format in the show. When, but, when but I still, first you know, met so racism Tari, is, is though, yeah. he was like, yo, facts don't care about your feelings. And I'm like, you're clearly very smart. And I am now enthralled to your logic you yeah. know i don't i don't I, I don't fuck around with that that's a good that's a good quote uh neil, Gra- neil degrasse tyson what he say who's like he's like the universe has no uh he's like oh the universe has no obligation to make any fucking sense to you i don't know if he said the f word but i did because I, I wanted to add a little stank <laughs> to it you know yeah <laughs> but hold on okay so racism right racism in florida abundant abundant right, as right. fuck but again i said this was an ogis florida which is smack dab in miami which i believe now it's actually a predominantly african-american community there so it's a completely different world so you're talking about 1940 like motherfuckers are still like think there's indians are hiding in the fucking everglades at this point like it's you know it's, it's a lot of, i don't know if that's historically accurate but i like to think that's the way it was. <laughs> you know like like i'd like to think racists are walking outside drunk and eaten by alligators because there was still like it was half swampy and shit right you know, that's how it was yeah but so anyway so that's the climate right and w- within that climate i don't really know you know how people a lot of people say when someone is racist oh it's like you know they're a product of their environment they're a product of their the truth is we're all in the same fucking environment i mean you might have a piece of shit dad who teaches you some fucked up shit but you you still live in the world you have a you have an opportunity to see things mm-hmm. hopefully unless you're in some one small community we're getting too deep there's always no, uh, an there's extra no such thing is too deep okay i like that i like that so yeah. but but you know what i'm saying so this shit is abundant but now it's less in that area. The point that I'm saying is that so like so my grandfather in in this time, uh, you know he has the business. It's going decent, I guess. You know he's got he has my dad. Uh, he has a, another kid. This this lady Dale, who we won't talk about that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said some mean things at the funeral, you bitch. You really did. All right. <laughs> well, and also she moved to Georgia and also is racist too, I believe, from from my understanding, which goes against everything we're going to talk about in my family tree. Okay. So she's excommunicated from this conversation, that terrible I don't even know this lady. She's like an aunt. Or no, she's my dad. She's my dad's sister, which would make her what? An aunt? An aunt. See, yeah. I don't even know what an aunt is. That's how little I know about this bitch. Anyway, so so my dad, my dad's born, and one of the earliest stories I remember that like my dad taught to me when I was young was there was a for one of the first black families this is like before segregation uh this is actually way before segregation because my dad was a little kid uh and we'll talk about some amazing stories uh when he was in high school and some things that happened then but but this is before segregation in hollywood florida which is a predominantly white area for sure um pretty country especially in those days i think i mean i don't want to say country like there's a lot of greasers and shit you know what i mean it was like the 50s but this was a white area and the black family moved next door to to my dad and my to, to my you know to my dad's house. Mm-hmm. And there was this this small I don't know much about the family or the relationship, but I know my dad used to play with them all the time in the backyard. My grandpa was not my grandpa was a tough dude. He knew Meyer Lansky. I don't know the full story there. My grandpa was a tough dude. All right. And uh, but he wasn't like an uh, a macho man. You know, he was a very funny guy. Actually, he was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um. So he's more of like an artistic type of guy his mother was a fucking uh what was an opera singer his brother was an artist 
another brother was, you know, went to World War II because he wanted to fight the Nazis because he's Jewish. You know, like this is a pretty dope family. Yeah. Um, but he's hanging there just drinking a beer, would drink gin and tonic, and he's watching my dad play with another boy in the yard. And the neighbor next door goes over and he's basically like, you know, he's like, hey, Irving, which is my grandfather's name, what are you doing letting Jeff play with the little N-word boy? Mm. And my grandpa snapped. My grandpa pulled him over the gate, beat the fucking shit out of him. And, he's, <laughs> and, and the story my dad remembers, because he was young, he just remembers him screaming, all I see are kids, you piece of shit. And like, that's <laughs> the point of like, you know, like you can't, you know, whatever, whatever. So that was my dad's upbringing from yeah. like this dude who will like beat the shit out of it in a predominantly white neighborhood where I'm going to assume, I didn't grow up in this area at that time, but I'm assuming the consensus was that family shouldn't fucking be here, you know? Right. So this guy had enough freedom and feeling to go up to my grandfather and just say you know what are you doing with the little n-word boy and that was my grandfather's reaction so now you have my dad growing up under this guy who's just not a product of this environment Mm -hmm. uh or not being a product of this environment right so my father when he was in high school there was uh this was before segregation there was a lot of it was kind of breaking out he was he was a child of the hippies through and through and anyway, they, there was a lot of, uh, I guess, news coverage for the first time on the vast differences between the education system, between the books that are given to the black ch- uh, kids in the black schools and the, the books. I mean, you're talking, I mean, we all know the fucking history of it now, but when you were living in it then, people didn't necessarily know what was happening. Right. They just knew they weren't around them. They didn't know that them were being treated differently or they didn't care and were actually totally for it. Right. So. Anyway, it's becoming out there. There's a lot of movements going on. This is the day of like, this is the hippie movement. This is, you know, people are starting to become enlightened. And my dad and his friend come up with this really dope idea that to this day is one of the coolest fucking things I ever heard of in my life. And this is one of the main stories I wanted to tell. Mm. But they created this thing. Basically, I didn't want to say they created this thing. So I have a newspaper, before I even get into this, of the local newspaper calling my dad a local Negro lover terrorist. And he framed that bitch and ha- that was something I grew up with on the wall my whole life. Like, proud. That's aspirational. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's something yeah. we should all aspire to. I be. had been a Negro-loving terrorist since I was a little baby boy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but real shit, this is what the fucking newspaper says. And I'm going to tell you why they call them this. So my dad and his friend came up with this idea where at night he's going to go to the white school. They're going to start stealing all the fucking books, putting them in pails and shit. And they had a bunch of people helping with it. So they start stealing all the books from the school. They broke into the school, technically illegal, whatever. And then they broke into the black schools and they replaced the books. And they gave the white books to the black schools and they came back and they gave the black books to the white schools. And this was more obviously of a metaphorical message. It's not like the teachers are going to open it up and read the curriculum that's not being allowed to them. Uh, It wasn't going to change the educational system. It was supposed to be a message, something to open up people's eyes, whatever. They kept doing it. Police were trying to figure out who the fuck is doing this. <laughs> they'd switch the shit. The schools would go back. They'd switch the books or whatever. And the next day or two weeks later, they'd break into the, you know, this is back in the day. I don't even know if they had cameras, let alone like they probably like it, it got dangerous. Like there were police and people watching the school and they'd break in the fucking back of the school. Right. Start taking out the books and bringing it. Well, what makes this beautiful is that they're looking for these terrorists, these Negro loving terrorists. We got to find them, put them in jail. And he ends up getting actually a, lot, a bunch of steam from the movement at the time. And I don't know the exact details, but the mayor or somebody politically came in and was like, whoever this is, let's make this legit and make it a program where instead of causing a disruption, you can take the children from the schools that are getting better education. We can put them in the, uh, in the black schools and we can tutor and we can actually try to make a difference. And they called it uh, uh, Program Gray or Project Gray. Okay. You know, mixing the white and the black. Mm, yeah. So this Negro loving terrorist fucking thing 
became an, a movement, an actual legitimate thing. And of course, the news, so when the newspaper put this article out, by the way, this wasn't while they were terrorists. This was after, I think JFK said something about it. Like this was a big thing. Like they were like, this is in the South. So you, the, the shit like this don't happen in the fucking South, especially right. in those days. So it's this grassroots movement to educate people that started from a rebellious move that got an okay from the government at the time JFK and all these people, the, 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 the few people we had that were doing the right thing. And still the local newspaper was like, nah, they're terrorists. They should be arrested and thrown in jail and that. And like, you know, so that just, this is the type of guy my dad was yeah. before I knew him. You know what I mean? Um, but that's really cool. Cause yeah. like even that, those kind of programs are s technically still going on till today. For sure. Like, uh, I was part of one of those programs. So like I w grew up in the, um, the lower income section of like yeah. Palo Alto. So like East Menlo Park, that area. Um, and they would bust me into Palo Alto, which was the more affluent white area and like me and other black kids. And we yeah. would integrate with the rest of them. So like those programs have been going on a very long time and they're yeah. integral into like one diversifying these, these really privileged schools and also giving people opportunities to advance beyond their their current status 100 percent, yeah. yeah and i don't want to say he was the pioneer of it i, I i'd like to say he, he you know at, at all i mean i'm sure there was even programs going there but you know his still you know it's no i yeah. mean for him to have even uh, been a piece of that getting started in that area is yeah. huge yeah 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 <laughs> yes. I, I I too concur. Oh my gosh! Thank you. Indubitably, I'm an agreeable bitch. Indubitably. So no, but that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And and yeah, I as somebody who lived in Florida for quite some time, I can attest to the fact that that's a pretty pretty massive achievement, especially back then. For sure. So all right. So uh, on the timeline, what what happens Oof. subsequent to that? Oof. Well, subsequent to that, from most of my knowledge, he, he, you know, most of his life, he was just, he was always considered himself a pacifist. He got into like one fight his whole life. Um, but Outside you know, of beating people up for being racist. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, no, right. that was my grandfather. Oh, no, that was my grandfather. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my dad, my dad would be the person he would just, he would tell them how, how disgusting they are, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can, if, 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 I know you want a chronological order, but give you an example, just to jump forward yeah. uh, for like a little bit. My dad, uh, you know, it gets darker. Like he, you know, I grew up in a one bedroom apartment with my dad. I slept in like the same bed as him until I was 15. In fact, to tell you something amazing, not because we, anything weird was going on. He wasn't Michael Jackson. <laughs> Jeez, what looks are you guys giving? No, we were broke. You know that. Was, no, I know. Fuck it around. Fuck it around. But like, so, no. But seriously, so I, I, if I'll tell you to get to this, I'll tell you another story. So, so during a sad period in my in my father's life, for me, it was up. You know, I was growing up. We're in a one bedroom apartment in a pretty shitty area, and I was, I think, I was like 14, 15 years old, and I told my dad, I was like, Yo, I got this girl who's coming over after school. Like, you know, I want to like, you know, if you can, you know, my, you know, trying to hint at him, like, can you leave me alone? And he's like, Oh my God, you have a girl coming. Oh, he, he was so fucking excited that I was in my coming of age days. This dude's, I'm out of the house. I'm going to the, up the street. To, there was this restaurant called Turks, right? So he's, I'm going to go get myself a, some chicken wings and I'm going to get a, get a drink. I won't come home. I'm not coming home tonight. You know, he was like freaking out. Like he was so happy this was happening. So anyway, the next day, I think, you know, I'm, I don't want to talk about, you know, uh, prepubescent sexual relations, but let's just say I I'm pretty sure the girl stayed over. This is, you know, I'm from Florida, and uh, <laughs> and uh, but my point is, my dad came back the next day, 
And he's like, sit down, son. I want to have a talk with you. And I was like, okay. And remember, I think I told you before how my grandfather started the business. He mm -hmm. built a home. Yeah. And my dad says, look, you know, when I was a kid, my father um, built a fucking house. Like he built it and he built my room. And when I first wanted the girl to come over, I didn't have to ask permission. I snuck her in through the back door. He said, I don't ever want you to have to live the way, like because of my mistakes, I don't want you to have to live it like this. And so he says, I'm gonna sleep in the living room and I'm gonna take the couch and you can have the room. And you gotta understand how big of a deal this is because we lived in a one bedroom apartment. There was right. one fucking room. Right. Next outside of the room was a small kitchen. I didn't even wanna say a, like a place you can eat, but it was like right next to the bat. It was so small. And then there was just a couch and a small little area where you could watch TV or whatever. So my dad took the living room to give a fi his 15 year old the, the master bedroom. I mean, you know, like who the fuck does that? You know, right. that, that type of guy. But my point is we were talking about uh, the pacifist and stuff and, and the response to racism. So during this time he was very lonely. He was out of shape. I remember there was a woman he went to high school with that recognized my brother and was like, oh, you look like this guy, Jeffrey Nye, that I went to school with. My brother's like, what the fuck? Like, oh, she's, she was a really attractive one. She's like, I'd love to see him. He was, the, he was so cute and so handsome. I, I had the biggest crush on him. So my dad, my brother gives my dad this woman's number. And he and I, we found out later he never called her. And we realized the reason he never called her is because she knew him when he was in high school, when he was this good-looking guy. And after years of abusing himself, like he was not a, something to look at you know right. so he was too embarrassed to meet her so so that's just to show you how lonely he was and then one day he meets this girl um african-american woman he's crushing over for like fucking two three weeks at a time and he goes on a first date with her he's finally excited they're going on a date while they're eating out this uh, a gentleman walks by a, a gay guy with his boyfriend sits down and she looks at my dad and she goes oh great the faggot showed up oh no Damn it. My father stood, so you know, close. so close to happiness, <laughs> so close to happiness. My dad stood up and he goes, I'm, I believe this date is over. He's like, my daughter's a lesbian. And I think that anybody that is considers themselves a minority in this world, we need to stick together. And I want nothing to do with you and walked away. And he didn't tell us what happened. And we asked him, he was mad depressed. He told us like a couple weeks later what happened. But this is like the only girl <clears throat> that he had interested in him that he was interested in yeah that i ever that i even know of after my mom you know because because he, he really crumbled after 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 uh the divorce and just became this this you know this sad thing and um but yeah that shows how 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 strong his morals are because i can tell you in high school i'm sure i fucked a racist chick just to get some pussy you know what i mean <laughs> i probably told her after that she's a piece of shit but certainly not before because i wanted to get laid so i mean that just you know this and i didn't need to get laid there was other girls i could have got laid there was plenty of non-racist girls that would have sucked my dick but i'm like she's willing right now yeah she said the n-word i'll give her one she maybe not maybe not two or three i'll give her one okay suck my dick now i can tell you, you know what you're a piece of shit i don't want to hang out with you but i I have to get my dick sucked first. So just even me, I'm lesser of a man than my father is. Look, I get it. I have sex with a racist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does this change your views, motherfucker? You know, my dad used to have a view all the time. He used to say racism isn't real, just stupidity is. And I was like, ah, racism is real, dad. He goes, all right. He goes, well, I don't know one person in the world that wouldn't fuck Vanessa Williams. <laughs> Now, I know that some people will say sexuality and whatever isn't the same, but I think if you, if you really hate something, why are you fucking it? <laughs> why are you fucking the, thing shit, fucking uh, the shit you hate? I, I don't know, <laughs> man. I feel like that's incredibly complicated, right? <laughs> right. No, it's, it's super complicated. Yeah. But, you know, this is a man who just didn't see that shit. Right. I mean, he grew up and he saw it, but he just didn't understand that 
at all. And he grew up in the in the in the heat of it. I like the idea of when he stands up and ends that date prematurely. Done. On his way out, somebody points and yells, "Terrorist!" <laughs> 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 um so how old were you when your parents got divorced Ooh, you know that's i, I you know i'm not 100 percent sure they they were separated like they were always divorced but <laughs> they were separated for a while um I, probably like 11 okay yeah, yeah. 11 same i was or 11 10. when my parents split yeah yeah look at us we're we're divorced brothers Hell yeah. we're dbs our stardusts are entwining <laughs> Ooh. i feel it <laughs> I was two. <laughs> but it was one. Of, it was one of those things, right? Like, like I don't know about about you, but like you, the way you just uh, described it was, you know, they they were they may as well have been divorced for some time. Yeah. So what yeah. when you're because I know when my parents finally split, like I think my dad picked me up from school and he's driving me home and he he goes, I think if I remember correctly, apropos of nothing we were talking about, <laughs> turns to me and he goes, oh, uh, by the way, uh, I'm now officially divorced. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> How's your grade, son? That's great. I'm divorced. And it's not right. And by the way, that's not a commentary. I don't give a fuck what your grades are anymore. <laughs> right. okay, okay, okay. Boy, this is bullshit. <laughs> I don't think he ever called me boy once. Uh, that's uh, my, that's my projection of him in that moment, I suppose. Right. But that's not a commentary on either one of my parents. Yeah. It is, however, a commentary on the alchemy of the two of them together, which was just no good. Yeah. So what was that? What was that like? Like at the time, if you're like 10, 11, like I would assume you have some memory of that process, if not like the day itself. You know, I hate to say it. I think I was such a self-absorbed little piece of shit that I had no idea. All I knew was sometimes dad came home drunk and he was hilarious. <laughs> I didn't know that was an issue. I thought that's how it worked. You know right. what I mean? For me, I was having a blast. He was fucking cool. My mom was always a little high strung in those days. But now that I grow up, I realize she was dealing with a lot of shit. Right. Um, you know, you know, like that, that's why it's good, I guess, to be chronological, to hear all the great, amazing things to then learn about how people cannot, you know, be more than one thing. You can be a drug addicted person uh, who like the, you could be the archetype of someone who's bad and yet not be that at right. the same time but it doesn't cause the doesn't change the hurt that that it brings to people right um yeah. so like but as a kid in my mind my mom was like a frigid bitch and my dad was like the coolest dude in the fucking world right. <laughs> but that's not really the case my mom's actually ridiculously cool like she's obsessed with blues concerts like everywhere she goes like when she moved into the town she just she she, she ended up moving into that she's wanted to for years she was like, wait, I have to check the blues like community. You know what I mean? Like she's just, she's just a dope person too. So like, you know, you, you never know what people are. A lot of times we're just a product of what's happening around us, right. yeah. which can change our being at times. You know? This too, they get, this gets at the heart of something we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. We had uh, Drake Cummings from People's Collective in. And yeah, I remember you said Drake was here. I was like, damn, what y'all want me coming for? Bro? <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm honored to be on after Drake. Yeah. I'm like, not that Drake. Oh, you meant Drake Cummings? <laughs> nah, I mean, he's, I like, he's a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted to talk about blind spotting. And like one of the him. big themes of that movie that they do make explicit is, uh, is what the title refers to, is this idea that to blind spot somebody is to look at them and you see instinctually the first thing you want to see and that's your perception that becomes solidified as your perception of that person but in fact like you say it, nobody is just one thing yep. human beings are complicated they're mm -hmm. a web of contradictions and they always there is always an element to them that is not the first thing you see and therefore is not part of your your purview your assessment of that person and that's the blind spot so that is mm. that is blind spotting in a in a nutshell and so i think like yeah like you say everybody is insanely complicated yeah uh uh tari you're complicated 
I am. Um, you complicated <laughs> man. Thank you. I was like, who's an who's an example of a person? Hey, Tari's a person. <laughs> well, there's a guy right there. Um, well, speaking of complicated, because when you were talking about how you originally viewed your parents versus like now that you're a grown up, you kind of see them for what they truly were. Yeah. Um, what was that process like? Like for me, I don't feel like I really got to know what, like, I don't think I really started coming to terms with who my parents were until they were gone. Mm -hmm. And so like, I I'm wondering like, what is, what was that process for you? Like, was it something like one day you woke up and you were like, you know what? My mom isn't a bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oof, that's a good question. Um, you know, it reminds me of that old that Eminem song when I was just a little baby boy. I used to <laughs> realize she was the crazy one. There's no, all right, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I don't I remember listening to him after time. White America. <laughs> I listen. I stopped listening to him after the second album, though he had a couple bangers on the third one. <laughs> he just. Yeah. No. So somewhere, somewhere in Los Angeles, Eminem is driving, listening to this podcast, and he has to pull over in a rage. He's like, hey, "Fuck you guys!" Hey, hey Em, fuck you too, <laughs> motherfucker. You were great, and then I don't know what happened. <laughs> drugs, drugs. Oh, yes, dr but but I think drugs also made it good. Like you can't say what what happened to Kurt Cobain. Drugs. No, that's what made their music good. How would he die? Drugs. All right. So drugs. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a I mean, flip yes, of a coin. It's a double like, like like people. Drugs are complicated. <laughs> drugs are also <laughs> and a web of contradiction. <laughs> Some people are like, look, my album sucks. Let's do heroin for a year. <laughs> Get off it next year and have a hit album. Funny, right? That's literally what Sublime did. Their first album, nobody liked it until after they made it famous. So I think it was 40 Ounce of Freedom. So it didn't do well at all. And then I think Bradley was like, let's try heroin. Yeah, we'll do it for a year. All the other guys are doing it. And Nirvana's killing it right now. And they're doing heroin every day. So they did heroin. But when it came time to quit, he died. Yep. Let that be a lesson. <laughs> Message. Like, like you say, complicated. That people are blind spotting people drugs, blind -spotting. I feel, because they vilify drugs because they see what they want to see. But in there fact, they're sometimes no, no, no. they're good. Nancy Reagan says, just say no. So I'm going to go with that, guys. There, baby. Nancy Reagan. The I know, I know what a role model Nancy <laughs> Reagan is. I'm strictly herbal. <laughs> Nancy Reagan said, you know. Okay, okay, so more. So give me give me another uh, Ooh, pull. Oh, you want pull. it? You fucking want it? Shuffle I'll give up it. the hat. All right. And then pick out a, a piece of paper at random. Well, I skipped forward, but we were backwards. But then, fuck it. Let's let's be somewhere in the middle. I don't even know what that means chronologically, but yeah. we started this me saying I don't even know what chronological means. So, no. Flat yes. circle. Right. Flat, you know. Just like Time's the relative. Earth. You know, some say there's a fourth dimension where time is like all around you. I don't know. I've never seen it. I mean, the fourth dimension is time. It is. Right. Yeah. Uh, sidebar. I feel like it'd be amazing to get uh, to find a flat earther and have them on the show at some point That'd so they fun. can explain to us how we are missing out on believing the earth is flat. Guys. There's a turtle and there's a shell and we are the shell. What oh. else do I have to say, bro? You well, got one here right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I don't believe in that. <laughs> but the, then it's a dome. It's not flat. Well, I mean, technically, the Earth's not a circle either. It's it's like a rigid shape. It's like a sphere of some sort. But it's like we got well, mountains and shit. Like it ain't it ain't that. Well, it's no, not a perfect. I mean, but the like the atmosphere makes it a circle in that. Yeah, but even it, that is like you know, right. it's not like an actual circle. Like you know, it's got some bumps. It's got a couple pimples, some holes in Ooh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 
Like so our atmosphere what? has herpes. Educate yourself. Science exists. Learn some shit. <laughs> yeah. Every time, <laughs> every time <laughs> and a volcano goes off, it's just a flare up. Literally. <laughs> you know, a- Nancy Ray can <laughs> say- <laughs> Um, but no, yeah. Okay, we're all right. Well, Give we're, us one of them sweet, sweet daddy stories. Oh yes, sweet, sweet papa bear. Okay, all right. What's a, what's another good story to explain this this guy? Um, all right, I, I got a good one. I got a good one. So this was uh, I was uh, uh, around at this time, but I, I was fairly young. But anyway, my sister comes out uh, as a lesbian, and she gives my dad a bunch of. I think she went to Barnes and Noble before she came out to her parents, and and had like five or six books on like parents learning to accept um, their their child coming out, which is interesting because my parents were just so that hippie. Like I, if I was gay, I'd be like, hey guys, I'm gay. Like, it's, I mean, I know it's a hard thing, but like the, just the way my parents are, like my mom, I think high-fived her and my dad was like dope. But like, but obviously, <laughs> whatever, I shouldn't say that because I'm not, and I don't know what it's like. So like, regardless, it was a hard experience for her. And, uh, so she bought all these books and she gives it to my dad. And of course, right away, they're like, okay, well, we love you. It doesn't matter. Um, and my dad started to, uh, there was just like, he wouldn't tell us where he was going. He's like, I'm working on a project. And we're like, dad, you don't have a fucking job. And you're like an alcoholic who's trying, hopefully recovering. Like, What's your project? Your project's probably going to a bar. It turns out he was, uh, and, which is, which is not, uh, which is sweeter than as sour as it sounds. Um, but anyway, so so anyway, so like he would uh, he would go. He, I'm working on a project. I'm going this thing, working on this project, and he come back drunk. We're like, whatever. He's drinking again. Mm-hmm. Um, sucks, but that's what it is. So one day, he picks my my sister up from school, and he's like, I want to take you somewhere. Do you have any plans? She's like, No. He's like, Good. Let's go. And he drives a, for a little bit, and they pull up into a bar. So my sister's like, God damn it, dude! Like motherfucker, it's that bad. Like you can't. Like that's where you want to take me, so you can get fucking drunk. Piece of shit. Um, which was uh, something that could have been happening. It's it's that there was a that was a theme at the time, right? Right. So, anyway, she walks into the bar with my dad, and I think Fiona Apple's playing on the fucking jukebox, and there's a very uh, very strong looking woman with a very military haircut behind the bar with tattoos of sailor shit. And uh, there's girls making out to the left, and I mean, obviously, it's a, my sister realizes this is this is a fucking lesbian bar. Mm-hmm. And my sister looks at my dad. She's like, "Are we at a fucking lesbian bar?" And he's like, "Yeah." And, and oh, I forgot to mention when they come in, the 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 woman behind the bar, she's like, "Jeff, oh, like come in." My dad's name is Jeff. Jeff, come in. Oh my God, is this Samantha? And next thing you know, there's 20 girls in the bar running up. This is her. This is Samantha. My dad went to a fucking les. Well, hold on. So my sister's like, "Dude, is this fucking happening? Like, right. what what what's happening right now, Dad?" And my father said to her, he goes, look, you know, when you came out, he gave me a bunch of fucking books. He's like, you should know me. I'm not going to read a bunch of fucking books. I love you no matter what. And I figured if I'm going to learn about something that's important to you, then I'm going to go to the fucking source. So this is the source. And he goes, I know there's going to be things in your life that maybe you won't be able to, you know, I won't be able to say the right thing or maybe I won't be able to relate to you. So I want you to have a community of people that you can relate to. You don't have to go through this on your own. And my sister suddenly had... 10, 15 older lesbians that could like tell her stuff and help her and guide her and shit, which, you know, I'm probably, you know, she probably got her pussy ate all the time <laughs> by experienced eaters of, of, of the vagine, uh, fellatio vagine arts. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, I'm, I'm going to assume I know my sister. That wasn't my dad's plan, I'm sure, but no way my sister did not take advantage. 
You know, imagine if I came out like dad, I like Latina girls and he brought me to like a fucking, you know, like, well, this is the, 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 the Cuban bar across the street. And all the girls were like, oh, man, I'm fucking someone if they let me. Anyway, <laughs> my point is, I'm sure my sister had more experiences than 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 we know of. Right. But that's not the point. My father was a really good dude. Like that was the type of man he was like he if there was something that if there was someone that he cared about. He was very emotionally invested in whatever you were invested in. Yeah. And he took the time and the energy to just to completely understand it so that way he could treat you the way that you deserve to be treated. And it, and it was a really important lesson that I didn't realize. Um, you know, growing up, I thought that's just how people were. Mm-hmm. So I thought my dad was just flawed in the fact that he drank a lot, but I didn't realize how actually special he was. I did, but I didn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there was some real special stuff there. What do you feel like ha- have been the biggest lessons you've taken away? from your experience with your dad? Oof. Um, I mean, there were so many of the stuff he was, you know, you know, know the difference between an acquaintance and a friend, you know, treat everybody the way they want to be treated. I mean, you know, the basic, the basic shit. He was a very, you know, special dude like that. I mean, anything you hear a hippie will say, my dad probably said it in his own special way. But I would say like something I learned maybe about like society in a way, like I'll give you an example. You know, my, my dad's, uh, I think my dad being in those hippie Woodstocky type of times, Definitely experimented for sure. Definitely experimented with drugs and all that as like everyone did. But he, so he had Tourette's syndrome, which was not understood at all. And he had Tourette's syndrome very badly. And, you know, most people think Tourette's is, uh, you know, in the movies, you know, fuck bitch ass shit, cunt, booty hole, all that shit. You know, you just start yelling stuff. Some of that is that actually. I mean, that is true, but there's different levels of it. And it's, so what it is, it's, it's, it's like, What's a disease that uh, I always fuck up the name of it, but it, it's uh, Michael J. Fox has it. Parkinson's. Yeah, so Parkinson's disease is sort of a, it's it's a similar disease. Parkinson's can kill you. Tourette's can fuck you up mentally and give you a hard life, but it can't it can't necessarily kill you. But right. it's a it's an off it's an offset or, or it's of the same breed of disease. It's a neurological disorder, so it can affect. Like my dad would do some weird things where like he would just poke you. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if he pokes me, I'm his son. Like I know why he's doing it. He pokes the guy next to him, he can get punched in the face or shot or you know what I'm saying? Right. So there are dangers associated with it. Yeah. And in those days, he started to get the shakes a lot. Um, he would say things like, you know, it's funny, interesting is as he got older, he found a way to master it. He got, was able to get quieter, but he'd do the fuck thing. Again, for him, it wasn't like the movie. His was more touching, poking, saying things. He would drive and take his hands off the steering wheel and do this weird, it's hard to explain over the microphone, but he'd like kind of move his hands in a circle, yeah. like a weird OCD thing and go back to driving, um, you know, poking all that. But he did have verbal stuff. And so as I got older, I remember he would be like, fuck, 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 fuck. And then somebody, if they heard it, if we're in a, sh- a store or something, they'd look over, he'd be like, fuck, fuck, fuck. He'd hey, how you doing? And then there, you always, the same look, no matter who the fuck it was, I was like, did that guy just say fuck? Oh no, he's humming. That's why did I hear fuck? You can always see it on face. Why did I think that he said fuck when he was just humming? No, he said fuck. Now he's humming. But that was like you know my experience. But in the time when he was growing up, yeah, that shit was not you know mental illness was not something that people really fucked with. So he he lost a lot of jobs. He would lose a lot of opportunities. He was embarrassed himself. He didn't necessarily even know what it was. I think for years uh, he just knew that. He thought he was going crazy, you know. He had, he had to say these things or do these things, and people, and also ticks, you know, just kind of like weird ticks and yeah. shit like that, you know. There's a lot of stuff associated. So he started, and he was always that cool dude. Go to the bar, have a drink, get you know, beautiful woman comes up to him, he'd be real sly and slick. Like he was a, he was always a cool guy. So even when he had this, he was super cool. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can imagine affecting the. The you know that'll affect your self esteem, affect right. things. So he compensated with drinking, smoking, 
you know, all that stuff. Not to give him an excuse, but you know, it's. I think that's another reason I wanted to talk about him. Is is mental illness is something that we overlook, even in today's uh, today's Very age. Very much, so. yeah. And that will lead to other things such as substance abuse and things like that and lead to things where people become a shell of what they used to be. And again, you look, you know, so I'll tell you what, I, here's, what here's what I learned from my dad. I'll tell you what I learned from my dad. Yeah. When I walk down the street and I see a homeless guy who's acting crazy and screaming or, or, or doing something, I, I don't think right away, oh shit, or I laugh at him. I think this guy could have been involved in the fucking civil rights. This guy could have pulled a fucking baby out of a fucking store. This guy could have been an absolute hero and life has just left him alone and nobody's gonna do nothing about it but laugh. And the reason I think that is not just the mental illness that my father had or the drug addictions that my father had, but I think about if my, you know, my grandfather, if he didn't work hard for in his life, my father would have been homeless. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather was not a rich man, um, in any shape or form, but he he's he did enough to support his family. So my dad lived on his couch. They lived in a two or three bedroom apartment. We lived in a one bedroom. At, by the time I was coming of age, we lost that apartment. My dad gave up, didn't want to work, wasn't able to work. Basically, just slept on this couch for years, um, drinking and 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 not not being right. But he lived on this couch basically until until he died. And um, but my point is, if he didn't have that couch, if someone wasn't paying for someone didn't buy that apartment 50 fucking years ago, he wouldn't have anywhere to go. Right. So, and so that's really the difference between the people that you might see that are sleeping on the corner and, and, and someone else. Um, and then also when I grew up, I, I, because of the upbringing, I always, I don't think I ever really judged homeless people or really judged anybody. It was, and I'm very lucky for that because of my upbringing and people that, that were there, but I did not understand it. And you know, I think like I like my my family had like nine members of my family, right? And I moved out to LA in 2013. I mean, when I first born, you know, grandparents, great grandparents, all that. I mean, there was a big family. I got three family members left in my immediate family, you know, like uh, and that happened like that, like that. And there have been times where I've been down on my luck. I'm an actor in LA where I've, I mean, we all have, I've had to call my mom, and be like, yo, let me get a hundred bucks. Like I'm dying out here. Mm -hmm. And half time she can't afford to do it, but she has done it. And we take advantage of that, or we don't think about it. But uh, when I first moved to LA, 2013, I had five or six people I could have called for that. Yeah. Mama can't do it, daddy might be able to do it. Daddy can't do it, he can probably convince grandpa to do it. Grandpa can't do it, I'm talking to grandma. Yeah. yeah, I moved out here, my grandma passed right as I was getting ready to move. My dad passed as I settled in, my grandpa passed, he couldn't take the loss anymore. He passed like a month before the death, the date of my dad's death. So that was half my family right there. So, So even me personally, and three family members away from having nobody. Right. So if I fuck up, or God forbid, I got addicted to something, or if I got just depressed, or just in a hole, which you get when you lose people, yeah. and I can't pay my rent, there's nobody to call, there's nothing to do. So it's just it, it just humanizes a lot of people in this world that you that you think you might know. Because yeah. again, we were talking about archetypes, we're all complicated. Right. That's what I think it, it's done. Which, if we're gonna go in the careers, help me with writing, it's helped me with, with creating characters, there's no bad guy, there's bad people, but like, there's different layers of this shit. You know what I'm saying? We all got some Shrek in us. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that almost just like went right past and then caught it. That's our, um, no, that's our new sign off. Thank you for listening to Missing Out. We all got I'm some out. Shrek in us. <laughs> um, but no, I, I definitely hear that. I feel like it's it can be very hard to kind of check your own privilege and realize that like mm. everyone that you see has a story. Yeah. Like we all feel like, especially like as children and as people growing up, like we are the center of our own universe, mm -hmm. but like you have to start 
expanding that to realize that like every every car on the road is someone going through their own journey. Yep. Every person you pass on the street is someone who is walking through their own path. And so like that is a really great thing to acknowledge. And like I like that you were able to kind of find that through the both the the um great things and the flaws of your father. Mm. Um because it, it that also is something that can be very difficult to come to terms with this idea that like your parents are also people and they have yep. their own things that they are dealing with and it's not that they are bad it's that they um are dealing with life the best way that they can mm -hmm. yeah which is really yeah. like a tough thing to cope very, with very hard yeah. you know one that reminds me of something he used to say a lot you know like because we all held in this this esteem there would be times when when he fell out of it you know when he fell back into addiction you know, you're upset at him you're you're you know you're mad or whatever and he used to say all the time he's like you know you can't put me on a pedestal you know you can't put and i and i think about that with everything there's been many times you know i think all of us we we admire things that's why we are, are attracted to them whether it's a new friend a new relationship a new lover a new whatever the fuck mm -hmm. we admire it and uh, and it's it's important to realize again. It goes back in the same thing, right? Like you can't put things on a pedestal. Things are what they are. You know, people might hurt you because they're hurt themselves. You know what I'm saying? And and that's just what it is. And and the only way to stop the cycle of that shit is to just I don't fucking know. Figure it out, man. Like fucking love yourself, dog. <laughs> you gotta love yourself. Aww. But it's all you know. It's all but seriously, it's all self hate with when, with with a lot of situations. And and so I learned from him that like if it. I think a lot of self-hate is not forgiving all the things around you, mm -hmm. not being able to accept things. Yeah. You know, when meanwhile we all do shit that if we, if we looked at another person's perspective, we're probably fucking, I mean, we're all, how many times have you been the asshole? You know, some guy cuts me off and I'm like Every that day. fucking piece of shit. I cut people off all the time. I'm an asshole in their narrative. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that's what I'd learned from a man is we're, yeah, we're all fucking stardust, baby. <laughs> and you say that you've applied or that's helped you with your career like yeah can you do you i guess have any specific examples sure. where you pulled from it for sure not just examples when i pull from it i'll say examples in real life yeah. you ever you ever watch uh you turn on a movie and, and everyone's just too pretty and their Every acting day. is just too bad <laughs> you know the, you know that you know that listen pretty people can experience shitty things but you can see it in their eyes when somebody just does not have life and and acting is not a beauty contest for for all i mean there's 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 it's an aspect uh depending on what you what the character is meant for it's an aspect for sure but but acting is about the, again the human experience and you know when someone hasn't experienced anything you're not going to be able to no matter how good you think you are you're not going to be able to to obtain it right. and i remember like I, I always, I'm going to say, I hope I thought I was talented. That's why I moved to LA and gave up my, you know, everything, you know, I left behind anyway. But at the end of the day, we all have stuff to learn. I remember I, I really lucked out. I was part of the actor's gang. This is actually right when my, when my father passed. I was, I was working at the actor's gang and well, not working. I was a part of the whatever thing, you know, we were, we were doing, you know, working on, on our craft and, and learning a lot of shit. And it was amazing. Cause I don't know if you guys know the actor's gang is run by Tim Robbins. It's his acting troupe. Oh, cool. I love Tim Robbins. Like, I grew up watching Tim Robbins in the apartment that my dad died at. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the guy that we all loved. And now he's teaching me, which was fucking insane. And I remember there was this moment where I had to go up to him and, and, and this woman that was running one of the classes and be like, look, I, I have to go back to Florida. My, my dad passed. And I was on the verge of tears, man. Just even just, you know, it's, you know, it's funny when you're in grief in those moments, you can feel the pain the whole time. 
and just saying the words it just comes out. I mean, I'm sure you guys, have, we've all experienced it. Just saying my dad died. I knew my dad died 10 minutes ago, but saying it was, oh, you know, it just, yeah. you know, and he saw, is saw he saw how broken I was. And he said something that was, is very funny. Cause I say this to people and some people, if they're actors for the most part are like, oh my God, he's a genius. And then human beings are like, what an insensitive piece of shit. I, I think he was talking to me as an actor. So I, I would like to say before I say this, I don't think this dude's a piece of shit. I think he's a really, a serious person about his craft, which is why he's an Academy Award winner, why he's so good. Right. But he said to me, um, he said, when you're in your worst moment, whether it's, he goes, I don't care if you just looked in the casket, you know, when you, when you know that you have just broke, like you've never experienced pain like this, walk, just walk past the mirror and look at it. Just know, just know, just know what it is. Know what it looks like, mm-hmm. you know, because you now have access to something that you never had access to before. Mm-hmm. And of course, at the time, there's still a part of me. It's like uh, I just wanted a hug, dog. Like, yeah, Tim. You know, I just wanted a hug, Tim. This is heady bullshit. Yeah, Tim. I just wanted a hug, man. But, but He's that, like, I'll never hug you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll only embrace you with my teachings. Exactly. But you know what, though, everybody hugged me, and I don't remember all the hugs. I remember what that fucking dude said, and 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 I gotta say that brought my, I was able to access something. Um, that I was never able to access before. And, and it's not just like, it's not like I don't sit there dead, 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 dead before right. I do a fucking roll. Yeah. But it's just an intensity. I mean, we did a scene the other day, which was all comedy, but like there's an intensity that, I mean, I, I mean, it's correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like sometimes there's an intensity to what I do that wasn't there before. Cause I'm, I'm fucked up, right? I'm, I'm a fucked up human being. I know what that's like. And all good characters are fucked up. So if you don't know what it's like to be fucked up, then what the fuck are you doing acting all fucked up? That's my, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what that's I learned. pretty well put. <laughs> Actually, yeah. So, so you talk about um, how how that was a really enlightening experience, right? You were able to take deep, profound pain and turn it into something that was positive, right? Yeah. And like you say, like uh, you and I were working together on. Uh, we were actually working with the People's Collective for their yeah. web series pretty yeah. recently. Drakey Drake, and uh, and yeah, like <laughs> watching this, and too that it's a scene where your character is. Uh, you've got this relationship with, with your yeah. with your dad. Yep. And so I don't know how much of that you were channeling specifically, but you talk about like you could hit this level of intensity. Like part of what was super fun for me about being there and watching you do your thing <laughs> was that you were just fucking, you were just going for it super fucking hard. Like there was an Thanks, intense man. level of commitment there. <laughs> um, but so we're talking about uh, you as an actor because you do a, a couple of different things, right? Like you, it looks like you put together a pretty decent Instagram following. Yeah. And so I want to you you started to tell me a little bit about how that came about. Well, I mean that's just uh, you know Is that like it's, a side hustle. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not even. I haven't made any money off it or anything. It's it's just you know I, I got tired of yeah. I went to an audition once and I was at the audition and they they had this list and the list that asked how many Instagram followers you had. <clears throat> I didn't even have a fucking Instagram, so yeah. I just left. I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> And uh, it it just it kind of just made me a little upset. And then I have friends like I'm I got a good friend of mine, I know, like Vitali. I grew up well. I don't want to say I grew up with, but like coming of starting to do acting and shit in Florida. You know, Vitali was doing his prank videos and stuff. He was a friend of mine there, and then he just blew up with the social media stuff. But you know, for me. I mean, I'll give you a great example. Like when I came out here, you know, he'd hit me up. Yo, man, you know, let's let fart on cops and shit, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> and then my, you know, we'll make a million views. And I'm like, bruh, I'm getting trained by Tim Robbins. I ain't farting on nobody, man. You know, unless, you know, unless I'm getting a sag rate, no one's getting farted on today. Right. 
And uh, and I realized that there, that there was a little bit of ego. It was a little bit of not accepting the way that things kind of the tide, the turns, you know, the way that is. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes you gotta you, you know you gotta sell your soul a little bit. I think to make it. I'm not saying. Listen, any I, I, let me let me backtrack a little bit. Any any platform to get your shit out there is fucking amazing. It just it felt like a lot of the people that do that stuff are kind of cornballs in my opinion. They they don't have the craft. Again, that pain we were talking about. These are dudes that grew up in a million dollar house and are jacking off on their sheets and they make it, you know, whatever. I don't watch this shit. I don't know. But my point is is like <laughs> that's, I, that's I, yeah. actually this what all of their all of their channels right? are. It's just, it's just jacking, jacking off on, on sheets. sheets. <laughs> Literally check out my Instagram. There's actually a video of uh, me and a character jacking off on sheets. It's not even a joke. But uh, but anyway, I you know, I had to follow the trend. Uh, no, but seriously, so so what actually what happened with that is I've been trying to create things. I'm not trying, but I've been creating things for years. I mean, this is what I do. I I, I write things. I I act in them. If if I there's a part I wrote for myself, and and I I've, I have a production company. I kind of started with some you know some people I'd, that are just extremely talented, and and so I create things. And and a lot of times you try to pitch them or you try to this or that. And the industry's hard, man. I mean, like if you don't have the money at the moment to get a a fucking entertainment lawyer to pitch it, then you don't. It doesn't get pitched. Uh, if you don't have a an agent. At the time that you're, you know, literary agent at least. Like I've had acting, I've some decent acting agents. I need a good, better uh, theatrical one. Yeah, that's right. I said it. You ain't doing shit for me, dog. You ain't doing shit for me. I ain't gonna name your name, but I'm gonna tell you, you know what it is. You ain't doing nothing for me, dog. They're gonna listen and be like, "Hey." It's like now, actually, now I really need one because I think I just got fired. Um, no, but <laughs> but he's listening like terrorist. <laughs> you the son of a terrorist. You know Nancy and, Reagan said this. <laughs> terrible we privatize <laughs> prisons and have a new form of slavery <laughs> it's like what all kind right, of yeah, agent so... are you <laughs> <laughs> hmm. all right so uh what was i saying <laughs> what were we talking about before uh, we got putting, deep putting together uh kind of your your oh, social the media so the, insta, so the point so a friend of mine actually like my brother every time i call him a friend he gets mad my brother you know no it ain't it, it's blood but it ain't blood you know what i'm saying <laughs> i love you matt turner my boy turtle anyway turtle turtle <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so my homie from high school hit me up one day and he was like, bro, why do you have a fucking Instagram? And I told him the story. Oh, fuck shit. You know, I left a fucking audition. They don't want talent. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm like, it, it was like, you know, that scene in, um, in, in training day where he's like, King Kong ain't got nothing. I was standing outside in Hollywood Boulevard. Like I am being trained by Tim Robbins. I ain't farting on nobody. So I thought I was the shit. And uh, I mean, I, I I know that I'm talented. I know I'm good. But anyway, you have to play the game. My boy hits me up. He's like, bro, what the fuck, man? Why are you not doing the Instagram game? You have every time I talk to you, you're filming something else. I, you know, my friends have seen shit that haven't been released. So I'd be like, dude, this shit is funny. It's hilarious, whatever. Well, I'm trying to get it. You know, I'm trying to do this, trying to do that. And I realized so many people, man, are making it because they're just putting content out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here broke as fuck in a one bedroom apartment. Again, the tides are turning and it's all just a circle, my boy. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, that was my attempt to sing. But yeah, yeah. so That's I'm in a great. one bedroom apartment again. But hold on. My apartment I'm in now is bigger than the one I grew up in with my dad. So, and I'm in Los Angeles, one of my dreams. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's not in the best neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? But it's whatever. My point is, is that. I have all this shit and I was waiting to sell stuff. I was waiting to, I got all these projects and I realized that's bullshit. Let me just start releasing them. So I was taking projects I did three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, last year. Now I got most of that shit out there and, uh, and I'm doing filming new shit constantly. But that was really, it, it was taking stuff that I, that was tried, tested and failed. <laughs> and, uh, but no, seriously, I would have like a sketch that was 10 minutes long of Alexis, Texas putting her ass on my face and I'd realize there's no substance here, um, but I can cut it down to like a minute episodes and make substance in each one. 
And it's kind of funny and whatever. Alexis Texas has her butt on my face. So that's bragging rights and some views. So I released it. And then I released, uh, you know, like a TV show idea I had called Saturday Morning Cartoons. Where I was doing a bunch of sketches. It was supposed to be kind of like that movie 43 or whatever the fuck it was. That movie sucked. This movie was going to suck too. Um, <laughs> but it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was an attempt. It was an early attempt at, at creativity, right? Right. And so, again, I have these amazing things that are too – it's like shitty SNL. They're, they're, it's going on for too long. It's not, that, it's not that funny, but a couple of funny things. Like I had one funny joke. And then we recorded for like two hours, and now we have two hours of nothing funny with that one funny joke. Right. Like I made a, a thing called Cat Boss, Pussycat Boss Man, was me, Ron, Jeremy, and my cat. And there's literally one funny part in that whole thing. The rest of it is like people really doing decent acting, but it's like there's the joke is the cat. So I took a minute <laughs> of it, brought the cat out real quick, boom, people liked it on Instagram, you know. So it was basically a lot of again failed projects. That went on for too long, that weren't done properly, didn't have the sound right, didn't have this right, didn't have the funding to finish it, whatever, whatever. And luckily, I were, you know, I was, I've was, i been hustling out here for a while, man, trying to work with good people. So a lot of my sketches, you know, like I said, Ron Jeremy, I had Tiny Lister in one. It was Debo and, hey, first black president, fifth element, you know what I'm saying? That's my boy. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, a lot of different people that I worked with, but it was sitting in a hard drive. I mean, I do music. I, I rap. I hid that for years because I do lyrical rap, and most of the music that came out comes out as boo boo. I've done songs with Crazy Bone. I've done songs with Mo Prem. So my friend basically hit me up. Mo Prem is Tupac's brother, you know, like so Mo Prem Shakur. But like, so my my boys hit me up, and he he gave me this long speech, and he's like, "Bro, you're sitting there waiting to to do this thing, like make it. Nobody knows who the fuck you are." Right when the truth is this stuff is gonna sit in a hard drive, and it's gonna sit there until that hard drive breaks, like everything else you touch. <laughs> and nobody's gonna even know it existed so i i started i came up with a plan i was like every couple of days i'm gonna release a new footage which basically had me taking all these old things that i did cutting them up cutting them up putting them out and whatever you know i have i have a little bit of a fan base i mean i i'm i have like thirty thousand followers it's not that big uh, i haven't made any money off it or no opportunities really have come yet other than what i'm already you know we already make happen but whatever, you know, people take that shit seriously. Like I see people like, I'll be like, oh, what's your Instagram? And I get a little bit like, oh, I'll show you my Instagram. 30,000 yeah. <laughs> followers. You know, before I'd be like, what's your Instagram? I don't know. What's your phone number, motherfucker? I was raised in the 90s, bitch. Got a beeper. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, uh, but, but it's cool that you just, you embraced it, right? Because like the difference yeah. between you and the person who doesn't necessarily have that following is some of, there's a certain amount of luck, like, you know, a certain amount of luck involved. For sure. But key difference is you're you're actually doing it right like yeah. I, i'm sure people listening you go to youtube and you find five videos in 30 seconds that are highly monetized huge view count and you're like this is not Trash. good like yeah. what what this counts why is this so successful like why is this why is this person actually like getting to do this stuff and really all it is is well maybe this concept is really really base and stupid but they did it and you didn't yeah, and that's it. Right. Like find your thing. Like, I guess the point that I can pull from that is don't if you have an idea. Right. Like maybe it doesn't work. Right. But try it anyway, because even if it doesn't work in the form that you hope or anticipate. Amen. That doesn't mean like even if the only thing you get out of it is, holy shit, I learned what not to do going forward. Right. Yeah. That's going to teach you what to do. Right. So I, I really I appreciate when people are, are essentially imparting that. Right. Like just do the thing. Yeah. Do the thing. And don't Amen. like like you were saying, like you hit it for a while like you just you created a bunch of stuff and then you stashed it all away maybe yep. because you weren't necessarily all that confident with the quality yeah but you found something to do with it that that right like that shift has to be predicated i would think on a certain amount of 
well, like, uh, bullshit, I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm going to embrace who I am, what I can do, and I'm going to yeah. find a way to share it with people. And that's yeah. cool. Like, that kind of initiative, I feel like, is the difference between people who actually get where they're trying to get and not. Especially now when, for better or for worse, social media is the way most of us can get ourselves out there. And so being able to write, yeah. like, get get over the, like, chests thumping Tim Robbins, exactly. no farting on people <laughs> thing, and, and be able to put aside that kind of pride and a little bit of ego just to to embrace what you have to embrace to move forward, right? I feel like a lot of people could stand to to hear that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's cool to hear. I want to talk to you a little bit also about uh, some of the work that you've done as an actor outside of that. Yeah. I want I want to see if you've got like what stories you've got in that direction. But one <laughs> I want to ask you about specifically that I, I brought up to you before we started. Uh, you are uh, the first guest, to my knowledge, the first guest that we have had on this show who uh, exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> uh, you've got a part in Iron Man 3, a, a movie that I am actually very fond of, and I want to know how that happened. Well, first I'd like to say that I hope, for the sake of your podcast, that you get more characters from Marvel that are more significant. <laughs> yo, yo, you got, you got Downey's number? Call him. <laughs> yo, Robert. Uh, no, so that was actually a really, you know what, that's an interesting story. Uh, so I was in, I, at the time I was in Florida and I was a working actor for the most part. I just, um, I just joined the union. I was doing, um, or I'm sorry, I just got eligible to, I got the letter uh, to join. I did um, a TV show called Burn Notice out there, which was, yeah, that was a pretty cool. And, and that was, I guess, the first, like I booked a few things before that, that I just, either they cut that shit or I, or it just never even happened. Uh, like before Burn Notice, like I finally uh, impressed the big casting director out in Florida, Lori Wyman. Lori, I love you, baby. Um, she's amazing. But but it in Florida, it was like, there's like two big casting directors and, and out here there's a thousand. But like, so you really, you know, you work for a while to get, uh, you know, seen and appreciated by them. And, and, it's, and it was years of auditioning and failing and falling on my ass and figuring it out and then uh, I booked this show I think it was called The Glades mm -hmm. and I did this really I mean I'm gonna say I think it was like the first time that I you know auditioning is a really scary art you could be a great actor but it, it's terrifying I mean sure you know like it, eventually maybe you master it hopefully but it's it's I, I don't think I mastered it yet either I mean I think I'm a Rhodesman at it if anything but like the point is is that uh, it's it's different doing it in front of someone so I think this was the first time that I did an audition that I was like, oh shit, I didn't care about the fucker in front of me, and right. the fucker was the director, so it was scary. Uh, but I did good. A guy was supposed to put a gun to the back of my head, a tear came out, don't kill me, man, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, and so I booked this part, and so and I could see the smile on this cast director's face, who for the most of my, starting my career, the first couple of years of doing it, didn't even really come in the room when I did stuff, let alone seemed happy with what she saw, right? right. Um, so I booked it. And like two, three days later, I get a call, that the character that robs me in a rewrite gets murdered in a scene previous. So I don't exist because there's no one there to rob me. <laughs> so my scene's cut. And, um, but Lori remembered me and she called me, uh, and this is the first time I got to, a, I went to a callback without even doing the audition, which was super cool. Cause I was like, what the fuck? Like, oh my God, you like me? They like me right, so much. Right. I already have the essence. Well, it was the same producer, whatever, whatever of the of the show. Or I don't know all the details. I might be wrong about that. But it, it was Lori who saw my last audition, knew that I ended up not getting it because of a rewrite. And someone else there, producer, something that worked on the other show as well. I bring that guy in. Let's give him another shot. Which was super fucking cool of them. 
Um, I don't know if that's how it works out in LA. There's so many actors, but in Florida, you know, I was I was a whale in a bitty bitty pond. Sure. <laughs> um, and so the, yeah, so they called me back, and I'd killed that shit, and I got this role, which was actually it was a decent role, but the other one in Glades would have been better. So I knew, but anyway, I booked the the pothead stoner teen in the show Burn Notice, mm. where I'm like, you know that dude, and even that one had a rewrite because I was like, I had this funny ass line where I was supposed to be like, you mean the mustache man, man. <laughs> And then, like, I say that line on set, and someone comes up to me to like, oh, no, you know what? They shaved his mustache because he's hiding from the main guys. I'm like, y'all take everything from me. Who the fuck are these writers, man? Mustache man, man, was the only point of me being here. Now it's like, you know that dude? Like, fuck out of here. Mustache man, would I would have been famous if they kept mustache man. Motherfuckers would have known me. Yeah, they would have been auto-tuning that, that shit. Mustache man. Yeah, but are you kidding me? I would I, I would have been on. But yeah, that's the game. So uh, so yeah, so I had that line, uh, but it was cool. I got to do it with um, what's his name, uh, Bruce Campbell. Bruce, yep, which was fucking awesome because Evil Dead. Uh huh. Ash, are you kidding me? Or Ash Er? Or I don't know, guy with a chainsaw Ashley hand that kills J. dead. Williams, sir. Yeah, I got on Bird Notice. I finally was like, in my shit. I was like on TV, man. It was the first time that ever happened. It was really exciting, and um. And so, like, I started to get more opportunities. It's just that's how it was. You know, I was getting more call- My agent was getting more calls for me at the time and whatever, whatever. And I booked this part as uh, Bubbles the Elephant, which is a very interesting gig because the first half of the gig, I was in an animatronic outfit, which was extremely dangerous looking. Like, there was a fan that I had to hit with the side of my head to turn on, and there was no cage in between the fan. Like, the head was really big, so the fan wasn't that close. But, like, what if that shit fell on me? Like, what if it fell off? Like, that shit would have cut me up to death, you know? Well, also, how do you turn it off once it's going? You have to push your head into the button. Yeah, Dude, I had, like, eight fucking buttons. Like, y- y'all can't see me, but I'm moving my head in all types of ways. Right. I had buttons to push in this thing. And it I had to do like the voice. sounds like the rhino from uh, Ace Ventura 2. I don't... I, yeah, yeah. Oh, when he went in his ass? Yes. Well, no one was going in my ass on set, but I mean, I'm an actor and I just made it. No, I'm kidding. That's serious. You Los don't Angeles, have to man. give up the butt to make it. That's a lie. Illuminati might exist, but they're not fucking people in the ass. They're fucking people in other ways. Probably. I don't <laughs> on know. A they probably level. don't even exist. Probably. <laughs> the, the Illuminati's listening like terrorists. That's why I said they don't exist. I want my checks to keep coming. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, what were, oh wait, life, career, what were we talking about? Oh, Bubbles, the fucking fat piece of shit elephant. So <laughs> I, I'm in this shitty fucking elephant outfit and it's a weird gig where like, so I was doing voiceover work for the cartoon and then they were doing like these live events that they filmed. So it was like a show, but I'm in this heavy ass outfit and kids are running up all up on me and I'm, I'm, I mean, I love kids. I'm a good guy with kids, but like, you know, fuck those kids. <laughs> and, you know, that was a scary outfit and I didn't like the job. Anyway, my second day on set, they're putting me into the outfit. Yeah, they had to put me, they had to lift me up to put me into the bottom part and then put the head over it and twist the head in. I was in a fucking robot of death, a big shitty <laughs> robot of death elephant for no reason. Like they could have do, had a dude in that fucking shit and I could have just done the voice in the back. I have no idea why I was supposed to, whatever. That's not the point. So that's, that's the gig. And they're putting me in and when they were putting me in one of the guys kind of put me in sideways or whatever like there's like basically like five grips we have to go up on like these stairs that are built on the side of the thing they put me in it my arm got scraped i don't say nothing because i ain't a little bitch ass niche you know what i'm saying my arm got scraped no big deal it's bleeding a little bit i'm in the outfit i'm still worried about the fan i don't uh-huh. give a fuck about my arm being scraped i'm on break they take me out of the outfit and one of the producers walked by is like what's wrong with your arm i'm like oh i think i scraped it when i was in there he's like oh okay 
20 minutes later, my agent called me. She's like, Matt, go home. You just got fired. And I'm like, wait, what? They're like, well, not really fired. They're still paying you for, basically, I got paid for the whole gig. But they were scared I was, we were going to sue them or they were wow. scared there was a lawsuit because, so some SAG shit, I don't know, some rules, you have to be able to fit into the machine. Uh-huh. So if you don't fit in the machine, it's a liability. If people can get hurt, again, right. fan, two seconds away from my fa- Metal fan also. Who puts a metal fan in a metal monstrosity next to you? Whatever. So I, I was upset because I thought, like, you know, I don't want a bad reputation. And I went up to the guy too. I'm like, dude, I don't give a fuck about the elbow thing. Like, I, I'm not, my agent didn't even need to know about it. I didn't say nothing. And he goes, I can't have, it's a liability, whatever. Right. So I went home depressed. And because I lost the gig, I'm happy I get to keep all the money. Sure. But I, you know, I thought I was going to be Bubbles the motherfucking elephant. I was like, A's for apples. Like, I, I thought I killed that shit. This, this was going to be my next Mr. Mustache right, exactly. Man moment. And Are you, you took kidding? this one from me, too. Motherfuckers. They keep doing it. So here I am, sad that I'm not a fat, shitty elephant teaching kids that apples start with the letter A. Sure. And I went back to my friend's house who's like living in like this pretty hood ass area and we're smoking and I'm mad and I got into a fight with one of them too. Like, and like, I've been friends with this dude for years, but he ended up punching me in the face when I wasn't looking, split the bottom of my lip. I had to go to the, I went to like the, 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 like they took me like my bad, bro. It's all good. You know, I was being a dick too. I think in all honesty, he hit me when I wasn't looking, but when he wasn't looking, I put him in a chokehold. So, I mean, we were, we were even, Uh, Yeah, it was even, and I shouldn't have put my man in a chokehold anyway, especially you know, Erod. I'm sorry, dog. You, you you gave you gave it to me though. It's all good. You won that. One. You won that one, motherfucker. <laughs> so so he punched me in the lip, split my lip open. They like drove me to the fucking hospital. We're smoking blunts on the way to the hospital, drinking alcohol, so it doesn't feel that bad. Mm. And they put this glue stuff in it to to seal up the wound. Uh-huh. And so just I'm just to explain like how weird the the situation. You know, the time I get a call like as I'm leaving the hospital from my agent, and she's like, tomorrow you need to be at this address, suit tie blah 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 i'm like what are you talking about she's like you're at the she's like you're at a callback that doesn't exist i'm like what do you mean so basically they were casting for iron man and i didn't know that at the time and the 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 casting director thought of me right away for this one specific part but she already booked me as bubbles the fucking bitch ass elephant <laughs> so she didn't even call me or the agent because technically I'm on contract for that other show. Right. So she's not going to tell me the opportunity missed. She found out I got fired, was like, bring them in right now. Mm-hmm. So they already did the audition for this part. They already did the callback. I guess they weren't really happy with what they found. She's like, this guy just got free. They saw me. And I knew that it was something kind of special i don't mean the the role was special but that it was something special for me because when i showed up there was a bunch of little fucking kids everywhere and they were casting a part for a kid i don't know if it was the kid that got the main part if it was a day player or whatever whatever but there's children everywhere Uh and i'm on so you know there's always different people but you know if you got five seven foot tall guys three skinny dudes you know four whatever whatever they're normally going in at the same time right they're going in for the part and then you know two o'clock it's it's big fat tall dude and three o'clock it's all skinny motherfuckers you know mm. so they had me in the mix with the kids so anyway i go in and no lie my line was john doe great speech man i didn't know what movie this was <laughs> i didn't know who i was talking to all i, I thought what bad writing <laughs> What ter- John Doe? Like that better the movie better be John Doe because this is this is bad writing. Yeah. So that's literally I came in. She says she's like Matt. I'm gonna tell you right now. This is a really big opportunity. She's like, so just do your thing. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, all right. So what is it? 
She's like, what? You didn't get the, I didn't get the fucking lines at first. Cause, oh, so, oh, this is the other thing I forgot. I had to go there with it. They wanted me to wear a suit and a tie. Yeah. Right. So I didn't own a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a one bedroom apartment boy. I don't have no fucking suit and tie. I was knocking on everybody's door I had. One of my friends had to go to court the week before and bought a suit and a tie. So it all worked out. I had a suit and a tie. <laughs> I fucking went there. So I didn't, I didn't, luckily it's one line, whatever. I didn't see the, um, the, the line. So I'm like, okay, well just tell me what it is. She goes, okay, look, he's what the, the lead is walking this way. Your eyes follow, and then this is the line, whatever. So I just saw in my head some dude walking, and I followed him in my eyes, and I said, John Doe, great fucking speech, man. And I actually <laughs> did that. The F word wasn't in it. I said, great fucking speech, man. And then they all start laughing, and they're like, great. And I'm like, wait, but I was just fucking around getting warmed up. I shouldn't have cursed. She's like, no, it's good. I'm like, but are you sure? She's like, it's good. So they kept the fucking, even though it's a PG-13. But again, I didn't know what movie it was anyway. Right. Um, and then I get a call. You booked it. Cool. Um, she kind of leaked to my agent, not what it was, but by the way, my agent at the time, still my agent for, for East coast stuff, which doesn't mean shit. Cause nothing's happened out there. But anyway, her name's <laughs> Donna. She's like 90 years old. I'm sorry, Donna. She's like 80 years old. She has a boyfriend right now who I know too, but her boyfriend was one of the dancers from like West side story. All right. She's like the most amazing human being. She, she's just, she's like old school mama type. She came out here once and we did, uh, she did, um, uh, the price is right. And she was so, she literally had a heart attack on stage. Not legit heart attack. She was just, she, when Drew Carey came out, she fell on the floor and she screamed, like scre panic scream. Like, ah, ah. Anyway, Drew Carey comes down after. He's like, you were amazing. You were so good. This bitch point, like spot on, jumps up and goes, let's not talk about me, Drew. This is my client from Florida. His name's Matthew Nye. What can you do for him? <laughs> like so fucking dope. I love her so much. Donna, I love you, baby. Um, so, and he was like, I'll tell you what, go to this class, whatever, whatever. It was good advice. Um, but what was I saying? So I don't know what it is. Uh, Lori Wyman called the agent. I booked, I booked this movie. We don't know what it is, but she was kind of like, yo, this is a good one. So I was like, cool, cool. I don't know what it is. I didn't know what it was when I showed up to set. Oh. When I showed up to set, my trailer's there with the character's name on it, which was, I, it just said conference guy at the time. Now it's annoying conference guy. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think Shane Black wanted to fuck with me. But, um. But yeah, so it was it was conference guy, and I went in, and and there was a, a small little script on the table, you know, like there normally is, and a little contract, and a pen for you to write the contract, a little bit of water, and uh, and so I was just chilling for a little bit. I signed the contract, didn't even look at it. Whatever, I'm in a movie. There's a trailer. I just had breakfast. It was delicious. Uh, I'm excited. I opened up the book, and I saw Tony Stark. Great speech, man. And my jaw just dropped. Tony I'm like, what? I'm like Tony, like Tony Stark, Stark, like the Stark man, like Stark man, Stark, like. <laughs> But wait, 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 let me look again. I might have said Tony Stark. This might be like a Disney film. No, no, it's, it's, it's Stark. Oh, and it is a Disney film because Disney just bought Marvel. Oh, my God. Holy fuck. And so it was a great feeling. And then I, I'm like, I still wasn't sure. And, you know, on the top of the script, they have who's going to be there. And I, for those who don't know, when, when it's a really big star that's there, they don't have the full name. It's always the initial. Like, if you're in a movie with Tom Cruise, yay in a movie with Tom Cruise, homie. You're in a movie with T.C. So... I was in, so it said top villain, you know, it didn't say top villain, but on the top was RDJ. Underneath that, it was, uh, what's his name? Fucking, who I love. Favreau? Yeah, fucking J, J yeah, that said J. Favreau. I know that dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, play it, play it, your money, dog. I love you. Okay, this is great. Uh, it was amazing. And then Shane Black, who fucking wrote Lethal Weapon series, like yep. my coming of age movie, you know, I'm literally nothing but a mix of, 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 of both of those characters. You know what I'm saying? Inside my heart, I'm a wise black man and a psychopathic, suicidal lunatic who needs to chill the fuck out. Same. Like so, you know, like that's who I. That's just who I am. So, like, he wrote this movie, Lethal Weapon. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm just in awe. 
and uh it was it was an amazing experience dude it really was they were really cool fun to work with um was it who was there like guy pierce was there that day rebecca hall was there there was a moment where where robert downey came up to me and i he said to me uh uh he said hey you want a million dollars and from what I know about it, he seemed like a really cool, nice person. And from what I know, him, like, who just says that to somebody who's broke? Oh, and before he said, the first thing he said to me is, hey, congratulations on the part, whatever. I was like, thank you, man. And he said, oh, this must be, it's probably going to mean a lot for your family. And, you know, like, you know, now you're an actor. You know, he did something. And I was like, yeah, that, that didn't really register much until later because, yeah, as an actor, the first thing people say to you is what? You know, like, what have you been in? Uh -huh. You know? Well, hey, hey, what are you, fucking, you know, plumber? How many, what's the last toilet you fucking took shit out of, you fucking <laughs> cocksucker? Like, Oh, oh yeah! Oh the, oh, the Jenkinsons family. I never heard of them, bitch. Right. <laughs> Was that a union gig? Did you get paid? Did you have a trailer? Suck a dick, fucking plumber, plumbing ass bitch. Oh yeah, we doctor, motherfucker. On this. Dude, we're gonna on get this a show. lot of hate tweets from a plumbers <laughs> union and shit. No, we'll go deeper. You were a doctor, yeah? Who's who? Uh, was the last surgery you did? Oh, oh, Mr. Kabilowitz. Well, I don't know Mr. Kabilowitz. I don't give a fuck about his heart. All right. We care a lot about Mr. Kabilowitz here on this show. So it's just, uh, he had to pull over just now listening to this podcast because he's pissed and he's something like, might be happening to his heart. He had a second. We just killed Mr. Kabilowitz, uh, and I don't give a fuck about that. But no, kidding, kidding, there kidding. was a man who lived. <laughs> no, no, no. But no, my point was is he, he was saying things that made sense. So mm. I, I'm, I, from what I know, I mean, I, didn't, I, I, knew, I knew him for a day. He was really nice to work with, super cool with me. But he came up to me at one point. He really did say, uh, do you want a million dollars? Robert, I want my million dollars. Yes, I want a fucking million dollars. My God. I want a million dollars. The reason that I didn't have enough confidence to tell you at that time, I'm talking to Robert, by the way. The reason I didn't have that confidence to tell you at the time uh, that I wanted the million dollars is because, number one, I did not know that you just got paid $75 million to do this movie. See, where I come from, nobody ever has a million dollars. So when someone says you want a million dollars, you assume that they're just kidding. But if I had known that you would could have given me a million dollars and then would have had $74 million, and then you probably could have used it for like publicity, gave this broke actor a million dollars. My point is, if it's not too late, I would I would like that offer of a million dollars. If the statute of limitations is not over on that offer, I want the money. My did, point is, is he literally said that to me. What did you say to him? I'll tell you what the fuck I said, Tari. I'll tell you what the fuck I said. Nothing. My jaw dropped. He offered me a million dollars. And before I had a chance to say anything, Rebecca Hall was like, stop messing with him. Come here. Da, 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 da. She didn't sound like that because I don't think she has any hood in her. But she was around the, along the lines of, come on, come, don't talk to him. <laughs> and that was basically what I got, and I will say, I will say this: that terrorist, that N-word-loving, societal changing piece of shit. All I want to say is, Rebecca, you seem to be a wonderful woman, but man, I really needed that million dollars, and I don't know if I was going to respond appropriately and say yes because I was very nervous and my jaw was dropped. But now I have come into my own skin, and I would like to reach out to Robert Downey Jr. to say, I would like that million dollars. You can even throw the interest on it that would have accumulated now you're, from my you're asking too all much. right you know what forget the interest because honestly i would have spent half of it anyway yeah please give me you, robert you can send me 50 bucks and i'll accept it so like <laughs> really it doesn't have to be the million but you did offer a million dollars you are a superhero you are a saver of lives save me dog yo save me <laughs> <clears throat> uh that's mine uh story for iron man 3. no that's all true that really happened nice i will say something though like while you're on your way to making it there's this great feeling of being reminded how unimportant you are right. to a lot of people who have. I call it the staring in the forehead method. It's like like, a, like an A-list will walk on set, right? Yeah. And they'll start scanning the room. And you know, whoever he locks eyes with is probably important because whenever he comes to you, he lands right in the middle of your forehead. No human connection. Don't talk to me. On to the next one. He looked at you. 
but he didn't look at you. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? He didn't really connect with you. Yeah. You got to connect when you're acting with someone. You know? Agreed. Look me in the eyes. It's what I hear. Touch me. Exchange <laughs> energies. I feel, like, you know? I feel like, did Nancy Reagan say that? <laughs> yes, she did. She's like, but, touch me. <laughs> Nancy Reagan did say that. Ooh. No, but I, I will say this though. I was super. Unco- I was super nervous. It was my first big film. Seeing the amount of money and, and stuff into it. Seeing people that I knew my whole life. Besides, like, I mean, you know, it was bigger than Burn Notice. You know, it was a big thing. And uh, and they were super cool, man. Like, like, dude, they were talking to me all day. And so that was really cool, man. That was really cool to experience that. And that also made it much easier uh, as on this journey to doing what we do because it's just a reminder we're all human. You know, we're all human. He's not Iron Man. He's Robert Downey fucking Jr., you know? Yeah. So it's it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. It was a great experience. Awesome. Well, we got to wrap this baby up. Um, thank you for joining us, Matt. You're welcome. Sorry uh, I talk so much. Oh, no. I mean, that's literally what you're here for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So where can people find you to talk to you more? Oh, yeah. Let's do them pluggy plugs. Oh, yeah. Pluggy, pluggy, pluggy. It's just 10 uh, minutes of this. <laughs> I don't think plug, he plug, ever plug. said his Instagram handle. <laughs> no, that was a thing I did for a while. Real shit. A lot of, I've, I've been on a lot of shows where every time they try to plug me, I interrupted it. I thought it was a good shtick, and then I realized, probably not a good idea <laughs> if I want people to know, my, know who the fuck I am. Right. Uh, so my Instagram is at Matthew Sterling Nye. M-A-T-T-H-E-W, Sterling, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G-N-Y-E. Um, check me out. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Shoot me a little DM. You know, let's be friends. Let's talk about life, man's and humanity to man, uh, question theories, talk about hypotheses, make up new hypotheses that we can then test and make into theories. Life's a lesson. Let's learn it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> You're like, I'm ah, sure. Okay. Yeah, why not? I accepted it. I put it. We locked eyes. I felt and I was it. like, oh, yeah. And then he cupped the microphone again. Ooh, yeah. Touch me. We have the human connection. <laughs> Lex, where can people touch you? Oof, uh, not in my bathing Under suit area table, and right certainly now. not without consent um, <laughs> I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael awesome you can find me at Tari J T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y but most importantly you can find this podcast at Missing Outcast that's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T that's on Instagram mm. and Twitter um, follow us to know the latest haps uh, stuff that we're interested in uh, also just Fun retweets and rigmaroles. Um, the old rigmarole. Old rigmarole. <laughs> um, and if you have a chance, uh, go on iTunes or Google Play or whatever your preferred podcast platform and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It helps other people find this because, as we've said before, the greatest way to advertise is word of mouth. So tell your friends if you like what we're doing. Um, and thank you again, Matt, for joining us. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, this has been a really fun conversation. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed it. Until next week, this has been the retrospective that is introspective. And now Mm. you have a new perspective. (laughs) Star Wars is like poetry. It rhymes. (laughs) It's like life is a metaphor. They're just Nazis who won. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wikiship Down podcast. We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is peer-editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? 
So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us. While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruth Ann. I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>